0: Let's turn, uh, in our Bibles to the book of Romans. We are, um, continuing in the word of God and uh, we just finished a series which was going through our core values and uh, if you don't know our core values spell out Mars Hill the message and the mission of the gospel the authority of scripture um, reaching the lost um, and uh, serving and and so going through all of these different core values and we spent time talking about the importance of those core values and how uh, they correspond to how we live out our life and our faith and when something is a core value, it means it's a part of our DNA. Um, you know, one of the things is that I can't help it. But part of my DNA is just to smile. I I, I I had a problem growing up because people would tell me that I smiled too much. So then I frowned uh, all the time. And then people would say, why are you so upset all the time? The, the, you know. There's excitement in the world. Smile once in a while. And so I went back from extreme to extreme. And so I said, you know, what? I'm just going to be me. I'm going to be who God created me to be. And so uh, part of my DNA is to smile. And so I thank God that my sons, they love to smile and they love to laugh and to have joy. And so one of the things that as we studied that for Mars Hill Fellowship Church is that within the DNA, you will see those aspects that we talked about as a regular part of everything that we do. So when we talk about healthy community and fellowship, a part of all the activities and things that are going on in Mars Hill Fellowship Church, it's part of our core value that you're going to if you're going to come into Mars Hill Fellowship Church, you're going to have somebody up on you saying, how you doing, brother, sister in Christ? You're not just going to leave here. If you're looking for a church where you could just slide in, slide into a seat. Nobody bother you. Nobody say hi to you. Nobody even shake your hand. You've got the wrong church. But we're a church where we're going to shake your hand. We might give you a hug um, um, and we might, you know, get excited to see you. Not might. We will get excited to see you <laughs> uh, um, um, because that's a part of our DNA. Another part of our DNA is that we preach the word of God, the authority of Scripture. And so what does that mean? It means that you're not going to come to Mars Hill Fellowship Church and just hear what are the latest headlines in the Boston Herald or um, uh, what are the tabloids now? Um, what are some of the tabloids? Come on. The Inquirer what else TMZ whatever y'all know you know y'all know y'all y'all are funny y'all sophisticated cuz y'all know if y'all answer out loud that's going to reveal that you you be in the supermarket checkout line like ooh really <laughs> what did Tom cruise do today oh no you know I, I, and so but but you know those things and so the reality is is that when we come we are placing all that we're talking about upon the authority of scripture and There is no other authority upon which we can stand upon. And so we begin to expand upon what do the scriptures mean for our lives? Because we recognize that after you come to a Sunday morning service, we're not trying to have you just come and just hear an exciting word. I pray that I don't bore you as or whoever's up here speaking doesn't bore you. But the reality is we're equipping you to live out the life that God has given to you. When you go, the minute, I mean, while you're here, you are gaining instruction from the word of God so that you can live the abundant life that God has designed. And so uh, all of these things are a part of what we do week in and week out. And so I pray that as you come and get involved in, in Mars Hill Fellowship Church and what the Lord is doing here, you will see those in action. Well, as we transition, uh, I was praying as, as to the Lord, what do I share? What do I um, what do I give to the congregation along this theme in 2012 that we are. And one of the things that uh, I try to do as I share in the message is I try to share um, from personal experience. I try not to share um, just simply things that I've theoretically understood, but I also try and share uh, what has really taken place and transpired in real life. And so as we weave that in with the word of God, uh, I recognize that I've been at a season where the Lord has been teaching me and instructing me how to walk in faith, how to walk In faith, Uh, it's one thing to say that you have faith, but it's another thing to walk in it. It's one thing to say that, okay, I believe God. But it's another thing to walk out according to that belief. And and this has been a season where uh, for me personally, even as a pastor, it's been trying because there have been elements or aspects of my life where uh, I've been hearing what the Lord has said and what he has promised. But then walking out this daily walk day by day, I can see circumstances that are around me that don't line up with what God has said. Anybody know what that's like when you're you're in life and you know what God has promised? You know what God has said. But then as you're walking out that life, you're realizing, hey, there are some challenges that I face day in and day out. And, uh, you know, as a pastor, it doesn't mean that I'm exempt from bills. It doesn't mean that I'm exempt from having to go to work. It doesn't mean that I'm exempt from having to deal with relationships. Some of y'all think that just because I'm a pastor, that it doesn't mean that I don't got people in my family I can't get along with. I mean, I still got them. Cousin so-and-so and cousin so-and-so, they still a part of my family. I still have to learn how to deal with them. The water company still sends a bill. Star still says you, better, you use this amount of electricity, you better pay this amount. And they don't care if your name has reverend in front of it, they will come after you. And just because you say I have faith and, and uh, uh, you could try and move a mountain, but you better pay that bill. <laughs> <laughs> And so recognizing that we have to walk by faith no matter what station of life we are in. And uh, this over these next two weeks, I just want to share with you a message that we are walking in faith. We are walking in faith. And so uh, what better aspect or what better thing to share as we look to what faith is and how to walk out in faith? The, uh, The Bible is full of examples of people in the Bible who had to walk by faith and trust God. And and when you look throughout each of these books, the central character is God, recognizing that the main story, the main character in this Bible is not just some of the people who God delivers, but it's God who works in the lives of those that we read throughout the books. And even if they have a book named after them, listen, the whole book is named after God. And so recognizing that this book, the central tenet is to walk by faith. And so here I want to share with you uh, the story of Abraham and how he walked by faith in his life. Let's look in the book of Romans, chapter number four. Uh, Romans is an awesome book. And for those of you who were here at Morris Hill Fellowship Church at the beginning, this is the book that we started off our Bible study on. and, And so as we... Uh, journey through that, we began to talk about what uh, what was included here even in chapter number four as we look to the life of Abraham. And it reads here, starting in verse number 18, Romans 4, and starting at verse number 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be without weakening is his faith. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and did what? Gave glory to God, being fully persuaded, verse number 21, that God had power to do what he had promised. Being fully persuaded That God had power to do what he had promised. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you've given unto us to gather together. And Lord, even this morning, as I share from the word of God, Lord, the reality of faith. Lord, we recognize that faith is essential in all that we do, all that takes place. And so, Lord, we're asking even right now, Lord, that you would help open our hearts and our minds to understand what it truly means to walk by faith. Father, thank you, Lord, that we will be able to even implement, Lord, your word as we walk out throughout this week. Lord, that we would glorify you in all that we say and all that we do. Father, I pray, Lord, even as I now expound upon your word. Lord, will you give me the grace that is necessary, Lord, to be able to communicate effectively so that as the word goes forth, it will penetrate the hearts and the minds of your people. Lord, that it would take root and grow and bear great fruit. We thank you and praise you for it in Jesus name. Amen. One of the interesting things about driving is the fact that you see signs all along the roadway. And uh, as you're driving along, you'll see speed limit signs. You'll see signs which tell you that a curve is coming up or you'll see uh, various signs that will tell you to slow down. The speed limit is changing. Um, you might ignore that sign, but that's what you're supposed to do. The sign is out there for that reason. And uh, I wonder if we would imagine a sign that said caution, Faith is required. Uh, you know, if we consider life to be a roadway, we often consider that this sign would be posted similar to on a roadway where there are only sharp turns. Uh, if any of you have drove, uh, driven down on 95, you know that uh, just south of Providence, there's a pretty sharp turn there. And you see a whole bunch of arrows telling you to watch out. There's going to be a sharp turn that is coming there. And there have been a few times where I'm driving and I'm not paying attention, just jamming to my music. And I'm like, oh, wow. OK, slow down a little bit as I hear the tires squealing. And when we think about this aspect of faith, many of us kind of associate faith with, I only need faith when it comes to the big, the difficult and the extreme situations, uh, you know, the faith to be able to get the job that you're looking for, the faith to be able to, you know, uh, uh, you have someone who's sick and, and they're on their deathbed or or the faith when, you know, you have a three thousand dollar tuition bill that's due and you're wondering, OK, Lord, how am I going to get this covered? Uh, the faith to, you know, wonder, OK, Lord, there are these things that I need to get accomplished and I don't know how I'm going to do those things. But the reality is that if there were a caution faith required sign, it would be at every mile marker, even along the straightway paths, even along the places where it seems very peaceful. You must know that faith is required along every part of the journey. Now, in driving terms, it's literally faith is required along every part of the journey, because if I'm not driving fast, there's some other people um, who might be in this congregation who I've seen some of y'all drive. I know how fast y'all drive. I know how many curbs y'all taken out. I know <laughs> that if I'm driving on the road, make sure I give a little extra space. And so, you know, it it, it is interesting that we understand even from a natural perspective, you could even be on a straight way. And, you know, I got to pay attention to who's driving around me because you may not know what may happen. A simple thing as a tire going out can transform even how you're being, being able to drive and how you can get to your destination. And so the reality is that faith is required to even be on the road at all. And so what we need to understand is that if we are going to live the abundant life that God has designed for us, faith is essential. Faith is essential. Now, faith is essential because life will bring to us what I call a paradox. A paradox is this aspect on the one hand of what is the reality of my life. We know that in things that happen, transpire, take place, uh, the reality of your bank account, the reality of your car, the reality of your uh, difficulties that you're facing, all of the realities that you have on one hand. And on this other hand, is this reality of what God has said. And if you've lived long enough, you'll realize that oftentimes there can be a difference between the reality of what you're living and the reality of what God has said. Can anybody uh, attest to that? Can anybody say I, I know what that is like, where I, I've been in situations where the reality of where I'm living is different from the reality of what God has said about my life and all the things that he has planned and promised for me? You don't have to go far to see that paradox. Just turn on the television. Just go to work. Just go and go and attend classes, just walk down the street, just meet your neighbors, ride the bus, drive through the area, speak on the phone with your friends, and you will always discover that life has paradoxes. There's a difference between the intent and what is really going on. Now, the paradox is this, is that there is a reality of the things that are right in front of you. And then on the other hand is the reality of what God has said. Now, uh, we have to live in this paradox of these two different realities. And what I'm referring to is not what I call the absurd reality. Uh, It is the uh, you know, it's not the aspect where we are so absurd that we don't recognize the natural. If you again go and try and pay your electricity bill in faith dollars, they will not accept it. I don't see any signs that just say faith dollars. They take MasterCard, Visa, Discover card, and they will take cash. But this is the reality of looking at this aspect that you have dueling realities. What's an absurd reality? Well, there was a story in 2010 of a Korean husband and wife who were uh, just given birth. And instead of living in the reality of being a mother and a father to the child that God had blessed them with, something that was in alignment with God's word, They lived in a virtual reality. And so every day they would go to the Internet cafe and feed their virtual child. All while their real child would sit at home and every once in a while they would feed them, feed uh, that child powdered milk. Within a short time, this child passed away from malnourishment. They were living in a virtual reality while ignoring the reality of what was right in front of them. What we're talking about as we talk about faith is not leaving the reality of this world. We recognize that we are in this world. God has planted us in this world. And even as Jesus was praying to the father, he said unto them, he said, I pray not that you take them out of this world. So what the Lord was saying was, guess what? You're here on purpose. I mean, God could have said, all right, Jesus has done the work. He's come here into the into the earth. He's about to go to the cross. Lord, take them all up. Just get them to heaven. But the Lord says, I pray that you don't take them out of here, but that you keep them from the evil one. You keep them from the evil one. So what was the Lord's prayer? The Lord's prayer was that while you're here on this earth, that even though there will be altering realities of things that are going on, that you would not succumb to what the evil one has planned, destined, designed for you. And the evil one has designed circumstances. He's designed to get into your mind. He's designed to get into your thoughts. He's designed to get into every aspect of all that you're doing. All so that he can be an accuser of the brethren and say, God doesn't really love you. And if you only understand the fact of the reality that you see. Then it might very well be true that you might live in that virtual reality, not realizing that God has planned something much more better and much more real. That we have. You see, we are in this world, but not of this world. And that means that our citizenship is in the kingdom of God and our eternal home is heaven. But we are called to live as a light in this world. And with this assignment, God does not leave us alone. Rather, he gives us what we call faith to help us deal with those challenging situations while we are strangers in this land. And and this is the challenge that I have even in Christendom, is that we have to always consider the fact that we are aliens in this world. Now, I I know, Mars Hill Fellowship Church aliens, what are they talking about here at this church? What I'm talking about is the fact that an alien is someone who is not native to the place or to the land or to, to this place. And you have to realize that this earth as it is, full with sin, full with all of the disasters, you look around you and you see all kinds of chaos happening. I mean, I, I was looking even as Hurricane Isaac was coming in and I was imagining the reality of what would it been like if I was back there when Hurricane Katrina was there. What would it be like if all that I knew, they were talking about some houses had 32 feet of water. Y'all y- 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 understand 32 feet ceilings, one floor, maybe 8 feet, 9 feet? Y'all doing the math? Four stories tall? I mean, can you imagine that? Now, how? let, Let me ask you this question. If you were living in that reality. How do you deal with the fact that God said that he'll provide and protect for you while you're dealing with this reality of the fact that there is a flood that is of epic proportions right here in my house? You see, this is the aspect of the faith that God has designed, because if you are going to live in this life, you have to recognize that even all of the blessings that God can give us while we're here on this earth, they're all temporary. Your citizenship is of another place. You are here as an alien, as a stranger. And when we begin to get too comfortable here on this earth, we'll tend to attach ourselves to our possessions. And when God says, I have need of you and when God allows something to happen, we start to get angry at God and say, why did you take that from me? Didn't you know how much I needed that? And then the Lord says, listen, those are all temporary. Moth and rust can destroy it. A fire can happen. And in a moment that can be burnt away. You have a wonderful car, just someone driving by. You know, what's amazing me is that I saw that they have a gold plated um, Uh, I I can't remember if it was a Mercedes or a Bentley or but it was whatever car it was. It was gold plated. Now, I'm thinking to myself, you got a whole car that is gold, has gold all around it. Value of in multi uh, millions of dollars. All it takes is somebody in a 1967 jalopy. Someone who, you know, when they turn the car on, you know, it takes a few times before it starts. They don't care about your gold plated car that's all around. All it takes is them coming and knocking the side of your your car and it's gone in a moment or they've crashed the inside. And so, you know, recognizing that even with all the value of stuff that we can have in a moment, it can all be gone. And what will you do? The challenge is we have to learn how to walk by faith. So God gives us faith to deal with this comparing reality between what we see in front of us and what God has said until we reach our earth, our eternal home. We have to recognize that we are going to have to live with these two paradoxes in tension and realizing that God's word is forever true, even though the circumstances in front of us might say differently. So how do we do this? Hebrews 11 and 6, it declares this. Many of you have heard this verse. Many of you have heard this scripture. You, you, you've read about it. Many of you have posted it on your wall. Uh, you know that Hebrews 11 and 1 says, and now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. But then it gets down to verse number six and it says, uh, let's read this together. And without faith, it is what? Possible to please God. So here is something. That is, the scriptures are sharing with us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. We have to recognize something that if you are going to be a follower of Christ, it is implicit within this that your goal and objective is to please God. And, and, And I have to say it explicitly because we have lost in translation that part of being a Christian is that part of our work is that we're here to please God. And so, if we're here to please God, it means that we're going to have to be able to walk by faith in order to please Him. And what the Bible says here is that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Have you ever asked, why is it impossible to please God without faith? I mean, He says it there, without faith, it's impossible to please God. I mean, I'm the type of person, well, why is it impossible? Why is it impossible? Well, here is why it is impossible. It's because the reality is, is that you can only have one master. You can only serve one person. And your faith will either be in the God of self-will, self-pleasure, the comfort, the one who you will serve self. Or you will serve the God, the God of all of the universe. And so what he's saying is that if you're going to serve the God of all the universe, you're going to have to have faith to trust him. I teach this in our premarital classes, the reality that, listen, if you're going to marry someone uh, just because they're wonderful, you still have to have faith in walking in marriage. Because all of the wonderful traits, guess what? They still live the toilet seat up. They still forget to, you know, clean the dishes on the day that you're supposed to clean the dishes. They still have, you know, the morning hairdo, you know, all of those things that we think are so wonderful about them. And then you get into the reality of what is. You still have to walk by faith. And faith is not simply just a leap of blind faith, a leap into the darkness. And many of us, when we think of faith, we think, all right, faith just means ignore every circumstance and just jump in. But in reality, faith is based upon knowing the character and the nature of the one in whom we're placing our faith and trust. So you need to know this when you're working at your job and you have the option to cheat and advance in your career or to walk in integrity. And maybe not advance as quickly. Guess what? Faith is required. When you have to raise your children and you're still going to work, so you have to entrust them into someone else's care. Guess what? Faith is required. When you are single and desire to be married, but want to make the most out of your singleness for the glory of God. Guess what? Faith is required. When you are going throughout all of thy circumstances, faith is required. And faith is required not only when things are at crossroads or there are challenges, but also in good times. Guess guess what? I know some of you have been waiting to say, Lord, I can't wait till you bless me with this great job where I have all the money I need. And Lord, then guess what? I will really tithe to you. I will really give you what is due to you. Guess what? Even when you have money, faith is required. The zeros just keep on adding up and, and and it takes faith to walk out and say, Lord, I trust you even with my earthly resources. Guess what? When you've been blessed to be admitted to a great school here in Boston and maybe you did great in your academics, you still have to walk by faith. In order to walk out that call that God has given to you, you have to know that to live this life, faith is required. So what is faith? What is faith? Uh, Just put this definition up real quickly. Faith is our trust and confidence in the character of God that leads us to a place of obedience to God's will, regardless of the presentation of earthly circumstances in accordance with or in opposition to our desired outcome of a situation. Now, this is a good legal definition, and I wrote it. Uh, So so it it addresses every potential challenge that is there. But here's the things that you know. Faith requires trust and confidence. It's our trust and confidence in the character of God that leads us to a place of obedience. Faith is always connecting to obeying. Did you hear that? Faith is always connected to what? Obeying. Because when you have faith, it is going to require you to do something. If your faith never challenges you to get up and to move, to get up and to do something, if your faith that you say you have in God never gets you out of your comfort zone, I propose to you that you may not have the amount of faith that you think you have. But faith will require you to get out, get into places where the Lord says, I'm going to challenge you to walk this way. And if the circumstance was already there, it's not faith. But when you're going against the challenges of this earth and you're going against the challenge of a present reality that looks different from what God has said, faith is the thing that propels you to say, Lord, I will obey you, even though it seems like I'm walking into darkness. Faith. It's our trust and confidence in the character of God that leads us to a place of obedience to God's will, regardless of the presentation of earthly circumstances, in accordance with or in opposition to our desired outcome of a situation. You know what's interesting in Hebrews 11, We often talk about what faith got people. And and, and, and we talk about, okay, yeah, faith, by faith they, they earned this. By faith, they got all of these. Earthly resources. But one thing that is very interesting, it says by faith, Moses chose not to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, uh, uh, son of Pharaoh and uh, Pharaoh's daughter. And so what he said, he abandoned his right to be able to get riches in order to do the will of God. He said, I will not enjoy the pleasures of sin for a moment. In order to get something else over here. And so what we need to recognize is that faith is not always just going to get us something, but sometimes it will take faith to be able to say no to some stuff that we don't need. You might be walking into some relationships and man, from the outside, it really looks good. But faithful sometimes say, "All right, I don't need that right now. I'm not ready for that right now." You may even walk into a job where you see, "Ooh, look at the amount of money that they'll be able to pay me if I just get this promotion." And but but you know they're they're saying that you know you can't go to that church anymore and and, and you're going to have to work every Sunday and and all these things and, and and so and not saying that if you have to work on Sunday that you have now lost your salvation, but you have to look and say, "Lord, is this your will?" To recognize, all right, faith sometimes requires you to say no to certain things. So when we look at this story of Abraham as he walked in faith, we learn three things that I just want to share with you briefly. Faith is number one, focused, faith is confident, and number three, faith is tested. Faith is focused, faith is confident, faith is tested. Now, I realize that as I'm talking about faith, there are many uh, uh, traditions and backgrounds that many of us may have grown up in as we understood, understand faith. But as we look to the scriptures, we want us to get aligned with a biblical faith. And the first thing that we learn about a biblical faith is that it is focused. Faith is focused in this day and age. We suffer from what I call extreme distractiveness. Extreme distractiveness. And the reality is that if we never learn how to focus, we will never finish well the task that God has given us to do. Uh, uh, You know, it's amazing. Uh, The cell phone. I mean, we can become so distracted by cell phones. I mean, some of you who uh, know that you're addicted to the cell phone, you check Facebook every five minutes, and you know you might even scroll back and see, okay, what did somebody write? Um, they talk. Uh, there was a study that did the number of fecal bacteria that uh, had attached to um, cell phones because people will um, <laughs> take their <laughs> sorry for <laughs> the scientists uh, that will attach to phones because people use their cell phone in all types of places. Um, Uh, They talk about how people. uh, Has anybody ever had this? And and this happened to me sometimes. I can admit it where your cell phone might not even be in your pocket or it's in the other pocket. But they but you have what is called the vibrating phone syndrome. It feels like your phone is vibrating and you go to reach for it. and You're like, oh, it's not even in my pocket. And (laughs) that wasn't my cell phone. And so what we realize is that this aspect of even with all of the technological advances that we have, We've still become more distracted. Things that were supposed to help us become more efficient have given us more things to check. Do you realize that, you know, 10 years ago, there was not a Facebook to check every day? Do you realize that there wasn't Twitter statuses to find out, hey, what did the last person say? You know, you couldn't go on Twitter and see whether it was trending that University of Michigan lost last night. I mean, you couldn't go on Twitter and, you know, check out. All right, let's see what the latest pop star said or or live blog, any one of the video awards or anything else like that. Do you know that beforehand there were there, there life existed? And there were cars and automobiles and, you know, there was really people living in that day and age. And what we need to realize is that even though all of these challenges are there, we have to learn how to be focused and faith is focused. And the challenge for us in this world is not only to be focused, but to be focused on the right things. The passage here in Romans chapter four starts off with this in verse number 18. L- l- let's look at it there. It says against all hope. Abraham in hope believed. You know what this verse is saying? It's saying that against all of the options that Abraham could have placed his trust, trust, he made a choice to have hope and to place that hope in the promise of God. What does that mean? Abraham. I mean, even in that day and age, Abraham had options. He could either choose to believe the reality that God had said or he could make his own realities. And what we need to see is that it was this focus that Abraham had to see that there are a thousand potential options that I have here. And then there's the word of God. And I've got to focus in on the word of God to be the one that I focus my attention and placing my right attention. Because some of us, we've learned how to focus, but we've just focused on the wrong things. Because some of you, you know what I've seen? That when you have your mind to do something, you are tenacious. You, there will be nothing that will stop you. I mean, some of you, you go to the gym. I mean, it is amazing. It can be rain, sleet, snow, anything. You are still in that gym. You're still lifting. I mean, every you could have ran three miles and you still go, oh, I got to go to that gym. And you're just lifting and lifting. It. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, how do you do that? And you're focused. But it's more than just being focused. You have to be focused on the right things. And so it says here that in spite of all of the competing options, Abraham made a choice to focus against all hope. Against all of the things out there that said this won't happen, this won't take place, this promise that God has said won't happen, that Abraham said that in hope he believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be now. What I need uh, for you to understand is that focus means to give attention to something in light of competing possibilities. So the reality is there will always be competing possibilities throughout all of life. Listen, there are things that are going on right now at 12 o'clock. You could be uh, there's probably some festivals going on. There might be a movie showing down the street. There might be uh, uh, for some of you students, there might be uh, moving parties there. I mean, there can be all types of things that are happening right now. There will Always be competing possibilities, and some of you, when you are dealt with competing possibilities, you don't know what to do. You just you 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 just freak out and just say, "Oh my goodness!" You just stand still and say, "I don't know what to do." Listen, it is going to be a reality if you are going to walk in faith that there will be competing uh, uh, competing possibilities. Listen, if you get married, guess what? It does not mean that all the rest of the women of the world die off. There are competing challenges that will come there are competing possibilities that will come but you make a choice to say this is the one that i choose to spend the rest of my life with and i'm not comparing it to all the 50 million trillion gazillion other women that are on this world i've chosen one and i'm focused in on this my bride and in the same way Faith requires focus to choose to make an aware to choose to focus in on the things that we are called to focus in. But focus also does not mean that you're not aware of all the other competing possibilities. What do I mean by that? Let's look in verse number 19. It says this without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Now, some translation, the King James uh, Version, seems to indicate that it says that Abraham did not consider the fact that his body was as good as dead. So uh, they they seem to uh, to promote the fact of saying, well, you can't even acknowledge the circumstances that are going around. But the underlying meaning, when you look at it in context, is still there of the fact that, Abraham was aware that there were competing possibilities. And what we need to realize is that being focused does not mean that you are not aware of what is going on around you. Faith does not close its eyes to reality. Faith does not close its eyes to reality. Some have erroneously taught that acknowledging the fact of your circumstances means that you are not walking in faith. But what we understood is that Abraham, he had and knew the best understanding of human estimation of what was going on. He understood the circumstances that he was facing. Look what he said. It says without weakening in faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 and uh, 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Now. I know that in this day and age, we have Viagra and all the things that we might look at this and say he is 100 years old. He can still have the possibility of having a baby. He recognized his body was as good as Dead. Dead. He, he had tried all the studies. He went to see all the doctors. He'd, he had went every possibility. And he realized, listen, God said I was going to be the father of many nations. But I realized that in my physical body, it is as good as dead. And there was not an aspect where he was forced to ignore the reality of the situation that is there. You see, biblical faith goes beyond our human potential to God's potential. And so what you need to understand is that uh, biblical faith can acknowledge the fact that, guess what, I don't have it. Guess what, I don't have the skills. Guess what, there are things that I don't have in place. And even if I do have them in place, I need God's strength to be able to sustain it. And so biblical faith can understand the reality of the circumstances that you're dealing with and then begin to acknowledge what God has said. And if you're walking in this life, as you go throughout this fall time, you're going to come into situations where you're going to have to walk by faith and it's going to be a paradox and you're going to have to make a choice. Will I live in the reality of what is in front of me or will I live in the reality of what God, God has said? And some people will say you have to do an either or, but I can live in the reality of even what's going on right now, knowing that my God is faithful. You see, I, I've learned even from an early age that I don't freak out when all these things are going crazy around me, because guess what? God is still in control. Before you started acting crazy, God was in control. And even while you're acting crazy, God still is in control. And if you do not know that with certainty, you will not be focused. You'll be focused on all of the distractions. You will not be focused on the course that God has given you. So biblical faith goes beyond human potential into God's potential. So this is the challenge. If your faith is simply focused on your ability to do something, then it is not biblical faith. It is simply positive thinking. You see, we can wish a whole lot of stuff. I wish I was a millionaire. I wish I had a thousand cars. I wish I didn't have to go to work every day. I wish I could just sit and sleep. Wishful thinking. And if you have wishful thinking, it's great to wish those things, but that doesn't mean that you're operating by biblical faith. The power of biblical faith is not in faith in and of itself. The power of faith is because of the one in whom we place our faith and trust. That's why when we define faith, faith is our trust and our confidence in the character and the nature of God. See, you have to realize that biblical faith must absolutely be tied to the character and the nature of God. You can't just have faith and just believe in anything. You can't say I have faith and I believe in a stars, moon, sun and everything else. I mean, it's great to talk about knocking on wood, but this wood can't save you out of some of the situations that you're going through. It's great to talk about, you know, just cross our fingers. These things are going to happen. But guess what? You can cross your fingers all you want, but your children might be going out into a dark and dangerous place. And if you have to live in the reality that, Lord, I need you to protect my children. You got to have faith in the character and in the nature of God. It's not a blind faith, but a faith that is focused on God on the basis of his character, his word and his promises. Which leads us to our second point, that faith is confident. Faith is confident. The first thing that we saw was that faith is focused, but faith is also confident. And what do we see here in verse number 21? As Abraham was dealing with the reality of the circumstances that we're going through, he said in verse number 21 that he was being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. When there are competing circumstances, you have to have confidence in the object of your faith. And I ask you this question. Who is standing behind the promises that you are standing on? Some of you are wishing and hoping and believing for certain things. But ask, I'm asking a question behind those things. Is it God, based upon God's promise or is it simply based upon your wishful thinking? The reality is that we often determine in whom we're going to place our trust and our faith based upon our prior experiences. And so what happens is that when we consider the risk of perceived disappointment that we felt, we will often choose to place our faith based upon how comfortable we will be in the place of this faith and trust. The reality is, is that if you're going to walk by faith, there will be times where it seems very risky. There will be times where you see the reality of what's going on and the reality of what God has said. And you will have to go against the notion just to be comfortable to trust God, even when it's uncomfortable. When you look at the honor roll of faith, they weren't commended all simply because they just went where it was comfortable. They were commended because they chose to trust God despite whether their comfort or their physical comfort would be there throughout all of the things that were taking place. And in verse 20, it says he did not waver through unbelief. Now, that doesn't mean that he didn't have momentary lapses. It doesn't mean that he didn't have bad judgments. But what we have is that he wrestled with the reality of what was in front of him. And then he made the choice to walk by faith through the promises of God. And how did he do it? He became fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Now, I I need you to see an important point here. Abraham, the promise, the promise was that he was going to become the father of many nations. So when he was dealing with the reality that was adverse to that promise, he did not strengthen his faith by simply telling go into the mirror and say, I am a father of many nations. I right, say it louder. <laughs> I am a father of many nations. Now, it's great to be able to encourage yourself in the Lord. It's great to be able to speak to yourself and been able to be confident. But how he really got strength. I want you to pay attention to what the word of God says. How did he get strength? He did it by becoming fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. You're wondering, how can I build up my faith? Learn more about God. How can you build up your faith? Worship God. How can you build up your faith? Allow God to work in your circumstances. How can you build up your faith? Allow God to be able to speak and be able to demonstrate how great and how awesome a God he is. And so when you begin to grow and become fully persuaded that God has power to do what he has promised, you'll begin to see that your faith is increased, not because you began to, but because you know the God that you serve. And so some of you, You need to know that the solution that you're looking for is not being not in your ability to do something. It's in the ability of a God who has called you to do that very thing. And so when you see that slight difference, it's very important because God empowers us. But we never we must never forget that it is him who is working through us. And with that, we work to do what God has called us to do, but never lose sight of the fact that God is at work. God made Abraham strong. God made him the father of many nations. His faith wasn't Abraham's faith wasn't in his ability to. All right. At a certain age, I just i just got it. I just got it in me. Uh, no, that wasn't his faith. His faith was that God was able to do what he said he will do. The last thing I want to share with you this morning. Number three, faith. Is tested. Faith is tested. What does this mean? An integral part of faith is that it is tested. James said that faith without works is dead. Fabian, can you come up here? I need uh, uh, to use you this morning. What we need to realize, and just stand here and just face right there and just stand there. What we need to realize is that faith that is never tested is not faith at all. And some of us, we get afraid or we get frustrated because we look at the impossibility of situations and say, Lord, why would you put me in this? But the reality is God has already given you the tools that you need to succeed through it. He just wants you to use it. And so in the midst of it, we have to recognize that faith will be a testing. It will be a pushing and faith will always challenge you. Listen, if there weren't a challenge, you wouldn't need to have faith. And we already said that faith is necessary at every stage, every place that we walk in. Caution. Faith is required. And so what you need to see is that faith is required at the beginning. Faith is required while you're in it. And then faith is required even while you're going to the successful conclusion of it. Now, this is what happens with a lot of us. We may consider the impossibility of a task. We do not. We may consider, okay, Lord, what are you going to do? And we see faith as simply an obstacle. We see the challenges or the realities of the circumstances as obstacles. And so, uh, Fabian, try and push push against me. And so what we see, oh, man, (laughs) softer, man. (laughs) No, I'm just messing with you. And so we see faith. I mean, we see our circumstances. Man, would this thing get out of the way of the things I'm trying to do? And so what ends up happening, we get mad at God. Lord, why did you bring that situation? Why did you bring a Pastor Joe in my life? He going to challenge me to be a church every week. Oh, my goodness. Lord, why 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 did you bring me to this church where where they actually are challenged me to grow in my walk and not just come and hear a great sermon? All of these challenges that we have in front of us. And many of us think that this stage is just what I call the waiting stage. You ever felt like that? You feel like you're pushing against circumstances that are going there and you're just like, Lord, will you just move this obstacle out of my way so that I can go to the next place where I'm really supposed to be? But what you don't realize is that while you are pushing up against this obstacle that is going on, God has designed this obstacle because there is something that is happening in Fabian. As he's pushing against this obstacle, you don't realize that he is growing stronger and his muscles are going greater. So that when he comes to the situation down the line, he will already be strengthened in faith to be able to endure through it. But some of y'all. You just say, skip it to the side. I want to skip. Can I jump over that? Can I go and pass go and then go to the next round? Some of us want to jump over these things, but not realizing that God has placed that there so that your faith will be built up. I'm dealing with some circumstances and situations that are even in front of me now that had I dealt with them five years ago, I may have lost the faith. I'm dealing with some circumstance situations that had I been in a different place in my life and not being able to see God be able to come through on things where I didn't even know how it was going to happen, that in the midst of this, I would have been crying and lost my mind. But because I walk through the life that God has given to me and I've walked through and I've been able to see even in some dark places where God still was faithful in the midst of all that was going on. When God made impossible situations come out of nowhere, y'all don't know my testimony like I know it. I know what it's like when I'm sitting in a bed and I was sick with diabetic uh, neuropathy and where they were telling me that they were not sure whether or not I was going to walk again. And so I know what it's like that I get excited every time I can run and dance. And you may look at me and say, why is Pastor Joseph talking about running in the church? I'm running because there was a time where I did not even know whether these legs would be able to hold up this weight so that I could be able to stand before you here today. So you don't know my testimony. But in that knowing that God was building up my faith. So that when I got to places where I'm looking at it and say, Lord, why would you allow me to go through these things when I'm sitting there and wrestling? And I, I can't say that I've mastered and perfected all this. But what I can say is that in the midst of all that, I know that God is making me stronger. I know that God is strengthening me in my inner man. I know that God is leading me to him so that even as my faith is tested, I know that I'm being strengthened. And the thing that we have to realize Thank you, Fabian, that in that time of testing. It's not a waiting stage, but it's a strengthening stage. And this is what he said about Abraham. He said there he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. When your faith is tested, get ready to give God even more glory. Faith says yes to God's will, no matter the difficulty, no matter the circumstance, no matter the timing. But when you walk in faith, you've got to put your full confidence in him, his word and his promises. Listen, let me use it from an earthly standpoint. Many of you have heard Pastor Michael and I talk about this P90X. And, 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 and this journey has this has been difficult for me. I mean, I did Ty and everything else, but this was a whole nother extreme level. And I remember the first day that I got in there, I kind of, I mean, I joked around and saying I was doing a pre-week, I needed a time to start beforehand, but in reality, I was dealing with my own fear that, what if I can't do this? I done told the whole congregation I'm going to do P90X, and I can't, I can't do it. And so imagine how I felt the first day, they got all these push-ups, and I'm like, oh, (laughs) I can't even do one. (laughs) Diamond pushups. And I'm like, and I'm trying to find a way to cheat to kind of make myself feel good about it. But I'm sitting there wrestling with it. And the best part of this journey for me has been knowing that now as I look to this challenge, as I'm nearing the end of this first time through P90X, is I begin to see my muscles becoming strengthened. And things that I couldn't do in week number one, I'm now doing, closing out in week number 12. Why do I share that with you? faith is not just about the ability to compare our faith with someone else and say, man, can I do that? Or can I do that? Or can I do that? But faith is what God has given each and every one of us to be able to walk out the life that he has called you to. And some of you, you're struggling because you might look at someone else who's walking in faith and you might look at your faith and say, my faith ain't like they faith. But the reality was we all had to climb in order to get there. And God gives us faith as a tool that enables us that while we're dealing with the reality of the world that we're living in, day in and day out, that we don't lose sight of what God has already said. Every day, every moment, you're going to be challenged. You're going to have realities that are going to come in front of you and you have a choice to make. Will I serve the God who has said these circumstances? Oh, I serve the God who is the creator of all the universe, who has already said my future and my hope, who's already said that I'm victorious. Who's already said that I'm more than an overcomer. Who's already said that I'm the redeemed of the Lord. Guess what? He said you were the redeemed of the Lord even while you were smoking. He said you were the redeemed of the Lord even while you were getting drunk. He said you were the redeemed of the Lord even while you were doing things with your body that you had no business doing. He knew all of your mess. But he still in faith said, I know this is my son and my daughter and I've called them by name. Now, the challenge is, will you have enough faith to trust that God knows what he's doing and he knows who he chose? Because some of you, you can't deal with the reality of Lord, if you knew all about me, guess what? He knows all about you and he even knew before you even did it. There was a season in my life where I was just like, Lord, I. I, I I have this and I have that and I have this challenge. But the Lord said, I know you. I created you. Don't let those things hinder you from trusting me who called you by name. I've called you to walk by faith. I can stand here as a living witness. That if we don't learn as a congregation how to walk by faith, we're gonna be stuck. We're gonna sit on the side of the road and just look and see everybody going, getting to places and destinations, wondering, Lord, why didn't I go anywhere? It's because you didn't have enough faith to trust God. You were not fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he said he would do. Not only to make provision, but do you realize that God has the power to wash away even all of your mess? I mean, you've got to have faith that God is even able to forgive you. I I don't know why I'm laying here, but I I sense that someone you've been dealing with the reality of your past and you're wondering, Lord, how can you use me even in light of my past? But God's power extends even in his ability to say, I wash that sin away. See, it takes faith to know, Lord, even in spite of all that I've done. Don't you know, Lord, I called you by this name. Don't you know, Lord, I did these things. And the Lord says, I'm able to wash it away. But it's going to take your trust and confidence in God to be able to say, I acknowledge that truth. Everybody stand with me. I just sense this morning, my assignment and my call this morning is that I want to activate your faith. I want to stir up the gift that God has placed inside of you this morning to remember that God, he who promised, he is faithful He's faithful. And if you know the character and the nature of the God that you serve, it will challenge you to be able to look at situations and say, Lord, I am focused on you. Even though I'm aware of the realities that are around me, I'm still trusting my faith in your word that you have said. Just now, even as I'm speaking, I'm just going to begin to pray over this congregation even this morning. Some of you know some areas where you've struggled in faith. Some of you know some areas, maybe some of you, you've been dealing with the identity issue. You've been wondering, Lord, can you really use me in spite of all the things that I've done? And I want you to even right now begin to confess it over to God and say, Lord, build up my faith in this area. Some of you, you've been looking for God to be able to minister in the midst of earthly needs. Maybe it is a family member or maybe you've been going through a sickness or an illness and you've been wondering, Lord, are you able to do that very thing? And you need to be built up in your faith even this morning to trust God that he is a healer. He is a deliverer. He is one who makes our Jehovah Jireh, our provider, that you need to be built up in your faith. Maybe some of you are wondering, Lord, Will you do what you promised you said you would do? You need to be built up to have perseverance, even while waiting, that you'll persevere and not give up and lose heart. Father, right now, Lord, I begin to pray over over all of this congregation, even this morning. You know the challenges that some of them are even dealing with. Lord, I pray that if there is anyone here who does not even know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, that they have had not had enough faith to trust you to say, Lord, I can place my life into your hands. Lord, that even this morning, as I have declared the word of God, Lord, that you would stir up even within them. Lord, the need to put their full faith and trust in you. And father, for those of us who are believers, Lord, who you've called by name, oh, God. Lord, we recognize that we can say, Lord, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, in the areas where we've been struggling in faith, in the areas, Lord, where we've been wrestling with doubt, Lord, we can understand and be even being able to acknowledge the reality of the circumstances that are in front of us. Lord, even as Abraham recognized that his body was as good as dead and Sarah's womb was not even able to carry this, Lord, he still reckoned the fact that you who promised was faithful. And so, Lord, even right now, I pray, oh God, that even your people would come to a reality, a fullness of reality of who you are in the midst of everything that is going on. Lord, I speak this even as a place where I need to grow in my faith, oh God. But Father, I know that this is the word that you have declared even for this house, that we are walking by faith, oh God. Faith, oh God, Lord. Faith, oh God, Lord. Even right now, Lord, help us to trust in you. Help us to trust in you, oh God, Lord. Lord, to not lose heart, not doubt, Oh, God, Lord, and even in those times of wrestling, oh, God, Lord, help us not to waver through unbelief, but to trust you. For he who has promised is forever faithful. Lord, let your will be done. Oh, God, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, oh, God, Lord. Our daily bread, our daily need, Lord, even that which we need to walk by faith on this day. Lord, we don't even need enough faith to live for the rest of the Lord, our lives. But Lord, just for right now, this day, give us the faith to live another day for your glory and for your honor. Lord, help us. Even in spite of desperate circumstances. To give you glory in the midst of the challenge knowing that we're not just in a waiting season, but Father, you are strengthening us and equipping us for the journey that is ahead. We give thanks and glory unto your holy name. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Come on, if you believe it, give thanks unto God. Give glory unto God. Hallelujah. Lord, you're worthy to be praised. Come on, let's give glory unto his holy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, you're worthy. There's nothing wrong with giving him praise and glory and honor. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for letting it be done in Jesus' name. For letting it be done in Jesus' name. For letting it be done in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We give glory to your holy name. Blessed God, our great God and Redeemer, you are Lord over all. Amen and amen. Amen.